Hi, this is Ken Reed from Sportsnet, and you are listening to the Big O Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Big O Podcast. Today, I am joined by Pictou County native, <laughs> national best-selling author, avid sports fan, and Sportsnet's very own Ken Reed. Ken, how are you doing tonight? Good. Yourself? Not too bad. Can't complain. Glad you got the Pictou County reference in there right off the bat. It wouldn't be a Ken Reed podcast without Pictou County. There you I've go. See? I've been accused of speaking about it too much, but you are who you are. So what do you do? That's it. Now, for the uninitiated, Picto is in Nova Scotia and is home Correct. to some, some notable Canadians, including John Hamm. No, not yeah. Madman and Skip, no. uh, Skip the Dishes, John Hamm, but the former premier of Nova Scotia, Bubbles from Bubbles. Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, Mike Smith, Bubbles is our most famous guy for sure. Bubbles is the king of Picto County. That's it. And so that sort of answers my question for you is not including yourself. Haha. <laughs> Who comes to mind as the most well-known Picto Countonian? Yeah, so it'd be Bob's for sure. It'd be Mike Smith, whose band played my high school prom, by the way, because everybody, oh, everybody at home knows everybody. Uh, we got some NHLers. We got Johnny Sim, who won a cup with Dallas in 99. We got Colin White, who won two cups with the Devils. We got Joey McDonald, who played for the Leafs, the Wings, the Islanders. We got Derek Walser, who had a nice long pro career. He's an assistant coach with the Peets now. Uh, we got my brother, Peter Anthony, who's a stand-up comic. He's done Just for Laughs. We got Dave Gunning. He's a pretty famous musician by Canadian folk circles. So we got a lot of folks back home in Pecta County. You're just, you're just naming off everybody. I was like trying to keep my list down, but I think yeah. I could have had a competition with you oh, if you sure. could name every famous Picto Countonian. And the most and famous, I think you did. Most famous is Teapot. He's the local hero. Everybody knows Teapot. He's the greatest athlete that that never made it out of Pictou County. So T can do anything. But yeah, we got a lot of, uh, we do well. We hit well for our weight. Uh, most, uh, most, uh, I don't know. Bubbles is the real king of Pictou County though. Like everybody in the world, well, not the world, but everybody in Canada knows Bubbles. So I am, I would just be happy to be part of his entourage. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, uh, it, it, it's interesting because Obviously, growing up watching Sportsnet and and seeing you on TV and and joining Tim and Sid, which we'll get to a little bit later, you know, yeah. you can't know Ken Reed without knowing that you're from Pictou County. Like it oh, just yeah. they go hand in hand, and and so I talk about it way too much. I think I got to talk about it way too much. But uh, yeah, Sid likes to make fun of me because I talk about it so much. But what do you do? Well, listen, we're gonna get to Sid and some revenge a little bit later. Okay, I have something in store. I want to pick your brain on that Excellent. one. Okay. Now, before we get into the best-selling books, let's talk about the dreams of a young Ken Reed and the sure. aspirations of breaking into sports. You know, yeah. with icons like Danny Gallivan and Bob Cole as inspiration, as a kid, what did you see for yourself as far as your future in sports? Sure, I was like any other kid. I wanted to play in the NHL, and then I, I got to an age I realized that wasn't going to happen. It happened pretty early. It was eight or nine. And uh, I soon dis my soon discovered my dad told me that the guys who did the games got to go for free. So I set my sights on being a broadcaster. So uh, that was kind of what I always wanted to do. Uh, you know, as a kid, you think maybe you should do something else. But no, I always wanted to be a broadcaster. So when I watched the games, Bob Cole meant as much to me as any player on the ice did. So uh, I was obsessed with hockey, obsessed with baseball. It's what I always wanted to do. And I, 
got into it. I got my first job doing play-by-play uh, in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, doing junior A right out of college and just kind of worked my way up, uh, started small and swam all across Canada, worked at a bunch of markets, got to cover a lot of NHL teams doing it that way. And uh, here I am all these years later. Now, it's funny you you bring that up. Obviously, you got your start with Dartmouth, as you said, as a, as a play-by-play guy. And then, you know, you do get to stop across all of Canada, pretty much, working for the NHL Network and TSN, CP24, going to Western Canada, nation's capital, before landing in what's probably known as Canada's greatest sports market in Toronto. Sure. And to be fair to all the markets that you stopped in, they all have their hidden gems and their and their fun stories. What would you say were some of the greatest lessons you learned in your journey? Ooh. Uh, when you can, keep your mouth shut and your ears open. Uh, okay. Be respectful. Be nice. Um, uh, I've been in the media for 23 years or something like that. Yeah. Um, there used to be a lot more crusty people in the media than there are now. Um, I just think it's like the old print guys were pretty crusty back in the day. There's not as many of them around anymore, but I always thought you should just be nice to people, treat people the way you want to be treated. That, that, that's, uh, I think that's the golden rule they tell me. So that's, uh, you know, I always just try to be nice to people, be respectful and, uh, realize that when you're encountering an athlete, they have a job to do and you have a job to do just, uh, hopefully you can find a way to do it together. Uh, and everybody has a bad day. Uh, just because a guy has a bad hockey game or a bad baseball game also doesn't make him a bad person. And just because a great, have his great game doesn't mean it makes him a great person. But just be kind. Be nice. Smile. Smiles are contagious. Now, do you have like a favorite interview or person that you got to speak to when you're going across Canada and working for these different networks? Was there one thing that really stands out? Uh, not one thing, but I mean, I, I got the interview, I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of people over the years, be it they... Famous athletes or uh, just kids who won, you know, a lo- who won a local high school title. But uh, the first time I scrummed Wayne Gretzky was a big deal. Uh, that was cool. Okay. I was I think I was 27 years old. I got a picture of it up on my wall right there because my brother snuck into the press conference and took a picture of it because I grew up a big, huge Wayne Gretzky fan. So when they told me I had to go cover a Hockey Canada news conference and Gretzky was the key speaker, I said, "Well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate this. I'm gonna own this scrum." And I did. I, I won't brag, but I mean, here I'll show you the picture. If I get my get my computer all turned around here for you. There's the picture. Where is it? Hold on. Let me reach. Uh, there. Yeah, there I'm talking to Wayne. So there it is. Very nice. Yeah. Very so my nice my picture. brother snuck into that news conference and uh, took that picture, which I was horrified he was going to sneak in. But when I was scrumming Wayne Gretzky, I thought, oh my god, I hope my brother's getting a picture of this. So. He gave it to me birthday, so that was cool. Do you remember your first question to Wayne? No, no, I don't. No, I was <laughs> probably too zoned out. But no, I was, I was all business. <laughs> I got my business face on in the scrum, right? So, so that was a huge thrill, and uh, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, I was thrilled going in there, but I also realized I got a job to do. So you do your job, right? And uh, I've always like I'm a goofball by nature, and uh, luckily I have a vocation that. Uh, allows me to be a goofball but when it's go time it's go time you got to be serious when you got to be serious and when you're a reporter in the field like I was for years because I was local anchor and reporter uh, you got to be serious sometimes you got to be joking around some other times you got to be show some empathy sometimes so you just got to be human so 
so yeah, that, that first time interviewing Wayne was, uh, that was a big thrill. Now it's no secret for anyone who's seen you or heard you or even read any of the pieces that you've written, especially on sportsnet.ca. And we'll get to your, get to your books, uh, in just a few minutes, but you're a great storyteller. Well, thank you. So, and it's not just me who notices this. You know, I was speaking to Tim McAuliffe, uh, one of your coworkers at Sportsnet, and it's the one thing that really stood out to him is he said, you know, Ken's a great storyteller. So in that, with that being said, outside of your Gretzky interaction, yeah. is there a is there a great story that you can share yeah. with us that maybe is a little bit, you know, not so well known from your experience either in your scrum yeah. days or on air? Well, it's funny, you know. Um my dad's a good storyteller. My mom's a good storyteller. So I think I'd come up with it honestly. And for years, you know, you try to be a journalist and then you realize you are a storyteller. That's what a good journalist is. So, I mean, not to plug my books, but I enjoy my books because I talk to people whose stories people don't know mostly. Um, right. I love books about the superstars. I devour them, but I also think that everyone else has a story. So um, I enjoy talking to a guy who played one game in the NHL and telling his story about how he, you know, became a doctor or something. Um, I like when you see me at hockey, I'm the last guy in the room. Uh, so, I mean, geez, there's, there's kind of countless stories I've done over the years of people that no one would know that I was really proud. I did uh, on television. There's one I just did uh, that I'm kind of proud of. Um, I'm a big hockey card guy, and I tracked down a guy who was on a card from 1976, but the hook was he didn't know he was on that card. So it was oh, wow. a card of a guy named Brian Maxwell. So when I talked to Brian Maxwell about the card about eight years ago, he said, it's not me. I said, who's on the card? He's like, I don't know. So after eight years of on again, off again hunting, I finally tracked the guy down, and we actually just did a story with him on sportsnet.ca, which was really cool because this is a guy that, Played four years at Bowling Green, uh, played a season and a little more of pro, uh, went to coach high school hockey in Ohio, is the winningest high school hockey coach in Ohio history, and just found out, just so happened I contacted his son, and his son told him on his 70th birthday that he's on a hockey card. So that's that's a cool wow. story. So I got his take on that. His name is Mike Bartley. Um, nobody would know who Mike Bartley is outside of Shaker Heights, Ohio, where he was the high school coach. and. But uh, now, he, you know, I got to interview him on a national platform and, and give him his seven minutes of fame, which, which he quite enjoyed. And uh, he was very grateful for it. And I was very grateful for him. So just unearthing little nuggets like that, I, I enjoy. Um, I know that's not for everybody. Uh, some people just want to hear the big stories, and that's fine, too. But uh, I, like, I like to take the time to, to find, uh, find the little ones. Now, it's interesting because with everyone being at home due to COVID, a lot more people are soaking up just pretty much like yeah. everything. And it's it's great to have an original take or an original story when all of the media outlets are putting different takes on the same story, whether it's, you know, the undefeated Steelers who as of tonight are no longer yeah. undefeated, whether it's, you know, how the NBA handled the bubble or the NHL handled the bubble and how their seasons are going to go. Everyone has the same take. So in a world and a time when everyone's doing that, it's great to be able to have stories yeah. like that of giving seven minutes of fame and shine to someone who is deserving. And it's a fun mm -hmm. story. And, you know, when you look at some stories like Emmanuel Acho, for instance, Emmanuel Acho, former NFL star or former NFL player, went to the University of Texas, decides to tackle social reform with having 
uncomfortable conversations. Blows up on Instagram, blows up on YouTube, ends up signing a book deal wow. with Oprah, coming out with like their own wow. show, has guests like Matthew McConaughey on there, and it turns into the, this this mm -hmm. phenomenon. What about social media has sort of changed in your world as a journalist or as a news anchor that you could say, hey, you know, this is the way of the future and it's time to embrace um, it? How can I put this? Uh, I think if it's the way I want to use it is to just use it to get to people who I couldn't get to before, but to tell the same type of stories, tell good stories. I hate when it's just used as a tool to preach. I hate when it's used as a tool to claim falsehoods. Uh, Facebook and anybody can go on and, and, and say something, not necessarily have it be the truth as a report, as a reporter, I have ethics, man, believe it or not, this guy in his ball cap in front of his Gary Carter Jersey in his basement. I take my job very seriously and I want to speak the truth. It scares me that there's people on social media not speaking the truth and other people interpret it to be the truth. It's very dangerous. So I hope that it's, uh, it has to be used properly. It scares me that a lot of times it's not. It can be a really good thing. It can be a really bad thing. Uh, it's, I would say it's like any weapon. Weapons can be used for good. Weapons can be used for bad. Uh, I think we need to use social media more responsibly. Um, if it helps spread a good story, that's great. But at the same time, it can spread a falsehood and that's not so great. So, uh, I think we got to get the reins on it. And I think everyone should practice with a good broadcast journalist would practice and look at something and question it. Um, if something comes your way, question it. What's the source? That's what I always say now when I look on social media. So I'll read some story and they'll say, you know, the headlines, whatever. And I'll say, okay, what's the source of that headline? So that's, that's my warning to everybody about social media. Consider the source. I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question, but that's my message on it all. Well, it's great because it sort of leads to another thing that I want to talk about. And that is on last week's episode, we actually spoke to Ian Rappaport of the NFL network. And he said the same thing, you know, integrity and ethics. These are the two things that I take the most pride in when it comes to my job. And someone like him, for instance, you know, it's a lot about being first because as, a, as an insider, everyone wants the hot take. But he said more important than being first yep, is it's being, being right. right. Exactly. And Ian has a rep. Um, there's people out there that don't have a rep and they can just throw spaghetti at a wall. Right. And, and it hits and then they can right. claim they broke a trade or something. Uh, when you're a person like Ian, a person like Elliot, uh, that makes her living off that rep, that is beyond important. And yes, being right is far more important than being first. And we're people that stake our, our, our careers on that, um, as opposed to just some guy that can tweet it out. So like I always say, consider the right. source. 100%. And you know, we're coming off of a crazy year and a crazy couple yeah of months just where... what are facts now right anybody can just kind of say anything so yeah um yeah get your news from reputable news outlets not from some dude's blog you know just uh let's go with that the scary part too is that we put a lot of uh emphasis and importance on the blue check mark when yep. it comes to social media and unfortunately we had you know one of the most prolific if not polarizing individuals uh -huh. in the United States yeah. with that blue check mark 
just do pretty much exactly well, the opposite right. of what um, you just talked but about. But that blue check mark just confirmed that he is who he says he is. It doesn't mean he's credible, right? So 100%. people can figure it out on their own, I think. A blue check mark means it's actually me tweeting it out. Now, if you don't think I'm credible, that's that's up to you to decide. Um, that guy with the blue check mark, mark, I didn't think he was credible. So I didn't take much of what he said right. to, to mean much. Um, ding, ding, I'm right. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> consider the source. That's the, my biggest thing when it comes to social media, consider the source. Because as my, as my brother says... Oh, it took all it took to un, un, unearth the world's conspiracy and ultimate truth was half a high school diploma and a Facebook account. So we live in scary times right now when it comes to that stuff. Um, now you talked about it, you know, a 23 year career in journalism, and you'd covered the largest sporting events in North America and across the world, everything from you know Edmonton's run in 2006 to the Stanley Cup, multiple Grey Cups, the London Olympic Games, Super Bowl 47, known as the Har Bowl, the Power Outage. Oh yeah, we you know, two, two brothers going, there, going at it. You know, what was the best part of being able to take on these uh, location assignments? When you step back and kind of take a breath and go, okay, wow, I did it. I'm, this is cool, man. I'm here. This is, this is pretty good. Like uh, when you're broadcasting from London, England, and I'm doing Sportsnet Central every night, and they're counting me in, I can pick a lot, take a little breath, and I go, oh, there's the Tower Bridge. Okay, let's do this thing. Uh, kind of just like when I do Sportsnet Central, or we're coming out of uh, – a Stanley Cup playoff game or, you know, we just awarded the Stanley Cup on our network and I pop up. I'm like, okay, let's do this thing. Uh, So that's, I think it's uh, the the best part is just realizing you made it, uh, but realizing uh, you're not getting caught up in the moment. It's okay to enjoy the moment, but you still get a job to do. But uh, yeah, definitely take the time to smell the roses. So when you're, when you're at the Olympics, walk around, man, go to the, the, the beach volleyball games, go to the field hockey games, go see stuff you never saw. I get to go to Wimbledon. Just Wimbledon, I should say, to just check out a tennis match. It was that epic Federer-Murray one that went forever. And just, you know, even when I'm covering a regular NHL game, I don't get to go to many games anymore because I'm on the desk. But I used to go there, and I would be amazed that all these media guys are just sit there like this, right? And I'd go, enjoy yourself, man. You're, you're getting paid to be at a National Hockey League game. So it's okay to enjoy it. So many people in the media think they're doing the work of, like, I'm sorry, my dad's a doctor. He's delivered like 1,200 babies. He's saved lives. His job is far more important than mine. But just enjoy yourself. Everything in the grand scheme of things, we have to be able to look back at, right? Everyone, I'm sure there are some doctors out there that feel the same way that some of those media guys do, right? When you've been doing something for so long, it can just become, I don't want to say like a grind, but you could sort of take it take it uh you know See, that's for, that's yeah. when i th- i get you like it that's when i think you got to consider why are you doing it right for like, sure why are you doing it if you're just yeah i gotta go cover the game tonight well there's a lot of other people that would love to cover that game so i'm i'm happy to do it i'm i'm, I'm thrilled to go in and do a show right uh i i yeah. mean another big one for me that i absolutely love is doing scotiabank hockey day in canada every year so i'm a small town guy as you know and i always stress when we talk about somebody where are they from don't say the canadian give me the name of the town so when we get to go to Yellowknife or swift current or cornerbrook and spend it five days there and like go to the local bars and hang out with the people like i when i go to these places i don't sit in my room man i do my stories i get out i have a few pops 
I do my job, but I get I, I want to immerse myself in in what's going on. So one thing I, I do love about my job is it's let me not only go to all these arenas and stuff, but it's let me go to like I wouldn't get the, go to Yellowknife all the time. Not like who knows if I'd ever go to Yellowknife in my life or Cornerbrook, Newfoundland. I loved it. It's a blast. I I, I met friends there that I'm still in contact with. So I, I really enjoy that about my job too. And and then you know you get to see Ron McLean in action and. And Ron knows my name. That's still, I think that might be the biggest thrill of all this whole thing. Ron McLean knows my name. Bob Cole will know my name. That's, that's, that's still a big thrill for me. And when you engulf yourself in that culture, in that environment, in that neighborhood, it comes out in your story. It comes out in your on air presence because you speak from a position of authenticity. Thanks. And, 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 and it, it really does show, right? And yeah. you know, going back to what you said about not getting caught up, I spoke to, to Eric Smith and he said one of the hardest things um, to date was when Kawhi Leonard hits that shot in game uh, seven against Philadelphia. You know, the, the arena is going absolutely insane. Yeah. And he's got 13 seconds to yeah, enjoy he's it. Yeah, do his job. Take it in, and now he's on the desk to talk about yeah, what comes next. No cheering in the press box, man. Uh, I've, never, I've never cheered in a press box. I never will. I'll cheer at home, but I'm not cheering in a press box. Uh, yeah. yeah, and as far as the authentic thing goes, that's funny, too, because as a broadcaster, it often takes you a long time to find your authentic self on the air. And people always say, be yourself. I always tell young broadcasters, be yourself. They'll say, what's that mean? I'll say, you'll figure it out. Um, and I think when I started, I tried to be a sportscaster, and now I'm just me. I'll talk about my old gym teacher. I'll talk about where I'm from. I'll just talk about what I know. Right. And, uh, that's cool. I, I like that. It's, it's comfortable. Cause if you fail, your failure is yourself. At least you know what, why, why you didn't succeed. And you know, you're not pretending. So if the day comes where they say, okay, I don't like that guy anymore. Well, at least I know it's cause it's me. It's not anything I didn't, you know, it wasn't authentic. And, uh, you know, I've got my little maritime twang that comes out every once in a while I'm told and, that's fine too. Uh, a few pops down home, it really comes out. So, you know, <laughs> to be yourself is all that you can do. It's one of my favorite audio slave lyrics, and I, I live by it. Yeah, that was uh, so the lead singer of Audio Slave, Chris Cornell. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of my favorite albums. And then obviously when he comes out and does uh, what was it, Casino Royale? I think. Uh, oh, the, dude's the just, Bond song. Yeah, dude, just uh, with Tom Morello on guitar, having a just incredible. Yeah. Now. You did play-by-play play yeah. back in the day. Yeah, loved it, yeah. Was there, like, did you try and eventually succeed at having, like, a tagline? No, no, I wasn't that guy, no. I never rehearsed a tagline. I didn't, just what came out was emotion. I mean, I am, when I watch a hockey game, I get into it. Ivanka can tell you there, that sitting beside her watching games. And, uh, no, just, it is what it is. It just comes out. I loved it. I absolutely loved it unfortunately i made eight bucks an hour doing it so i couldn't do it forever i always thought i'd come back to it to be honest my goal was always to get to a sports network and come back to it but i realize now as a guy with two kids um working monday to friday is a blessing so um i mean if, if the opportunity arose one day sure maybe i'd try it but i really love being on the desk it's i think it's where i'm best and i think work is knows that's where I'm best and it's easiest for them to have me there. So, yeah, but I loved play by play, but I wasn't a, I didn't write lines down and then try to incorporate them into the, the games. No. Did you have a favorite tagline growing up watching sports or something that no, always stood out to you I as was being memorable? Never a tagline guy. 
I grew up in the era before taglines, I think. I guess my tagline now is pucks in deep because I love that cliche. <laughs> but I know he shoots, he scores, I guess would be it. But I didn't ever think that was kind of a tagline. But no, I, I think I grew up in the, the era before the rehearsed tagline. And when you hear them, they sound fake. Like they just don't sound real to me. And you don't hear them that often, I don't think. I think that's something that young broadcasters do. Uh, right. more than season ones. I, I can't think of any season broadcasters who really do it. And if they do do it, I mean, Bob Cole's Oh Baby is authentic Bob Cole. He didn't sit around and think, oh, I'm going to say Oh Baby. Uh, it just he, happened. He, it happened. He used to say it around his house all the time. It came out on the air one night. And, I mean, I didn't sit around and think I have to talk about my gym teacher, Mr. Yankoff, one night. But somebody <laughs> launched this three-shot point shot. I'm like, that's a dream shot. And Ivanka's like, what's that? I'm like, Mr. Yankoff called it a dream shot. Who's Mr. Yankoff? So, yeah, uh, the best things come au natural, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree. This is H. And this is Snaps. And this is your boy Chops. When you're done with the big old podcast, why don't you go to the fridge, grab one of those nice cold beers, sit down in your favorite chair, kick up your feet, and download the Dad Pops podcast. The podcast where dads are being guys, guys are being dudes, and dudes are being dads. Now I want to talk about a little bit of some uh, some literature, right? Like you've written four sure. books to date. Is, is that correct? Four books? Six, six, six. I can't stop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so hockey card stories, true tales from your favorite yeah. players. Uh, yeah. It's a compilation of stories from the great game's greatest stars. One night only. Um, yep. Yeah. Dennis, pronounce his name for me. Maruk. Maruk, the unforgettable story of hockey's forgotten 60 goal man and yeah. hockey card stories too. Now, what are the final two that I missed? I wrote a book with Eddie Shack last yes. year, which was awesome. Before he passed, that was incredible to get to spend all that time with Eddie, man. What a absolute blessing that was. And I just wrote this one. This one's out right now. It's called One to Remember, which is stories from 39 members of the NHL's one goal club. So one night only was about guys who played a single game. One to remember is about guys who scored a single goal. So in the history of the NHL, 6,500 men have skated in a game, 1,500 of whom never scored. That's not counting goalies. And around 400 or so have scored a single goal. So I wanted to know, man, what's it like to be the kid who grew up playing road hockey, of dreaming to score in the NHL, to actually do it, but to only do it once? Is it enough? Is it a thrill? Is it a tease? Is it your dreams are ripped? from your hands and and what did that what was the journey to get to that one goal and what was the journey after that one goal and, and i found out in a lot of cases uh for some guys the biggest journey started after that goal uh which was right. kind of kind of strange i thought it would be the top of the mountain but for some guys it was kind of the the start and uh for some guys it was the thrill of a lifetime for other guys it was just something that happened along the way wow now what caused you to want to take those angles to you writing your books goes back to what we were saying earlier about you know everybody having a story and uh you know everybody knowing the stories of all the big guys but i like the stories of the the guys that people may not have heard and in this book i mean i consider myself a diehard hockey fan and when they got the list printed off of the 400 guys with the one goal i didn't sure as hell didn't know them all and but they all have stories so i mean there were some guys i knew like dave hansen one of the hansen brothers is in there uh, okay. Dennis, Dennis Bondby, who has the most penalty minutes in pro hockey history. He's in there. Billy Smith, the goalie, he's in there. He's got the first goal as a goalie, but it's funny when you look up on hockey database and under the stat line, it's goal is one. 
you just think one, but you don't think of what goes into that goal, what the story right. is. So I just, I just love stories that aren't told before. And I, I think of the 39 guys in this book, I'm sure 37 of them only told this story to probably their buddy over a beer or maybe their kids. They probably didn't expand upon it at this length. So it was fun to do. Now, obviously the passion comes out and even in you just talking about taking these angles and, and wanting to share the stories, what was the, were you able to get to everyone? Number one. Yeah. Um, and two, what did it mean to you to listen to all of these stories? Mm -hmm. And did you have to really, you know, think about cutting down the book? Because I'm sure the stories could have gone on forever. Sure. So, yeah, there's, like I said, the list is around 400 guys who scored a single goal. So I obviously had to take the deceased off there. And then, you know, yeah, you kind of go through, you do a little research. You go, oh, this might be a good story. You read about a guy who has, I, I was, so I'd be looking at game sheets and I'd read a guy's one goal was assisted by Gretzky and Curry. His name was Mike Forbes. I'm like, oh, that's a cool story. Got to get that. Uh, so then you got to try to contact these guys and you got to play a detective because, I mean, <laughs> their, their names aren't readily available anywhere. But some guy, you know, a guy who played with a guy who played with a guy. So you get the numbers that way. And everyone I got a hold of, I did speak to. There were some guys who didn't call back, but I don't even know if I had the right numbers or not right because I'm doing some guesswork. But it was fun going in. I mean, I I knew very little about most of these guys other than uh, the game sheet or you'd read on Wikipedia, played for, you know, three years. And you start asking questions and you start listening. And uh, I've been told my writing's kind of, very casual and I like that and this to me is just kind of like sitting around with a guy having a beer and he's telling me the story of his one goal so uh yeah I I enjoyed it it was it was a lot of fun and it, I, I for me the really rewarding part was when I was done guys would say thanks for remembering me you know thanks for reaching out like you don't get that when you talk to a huge right. famous athlete because they're rightly so they're besieged with requests all the time but one of the gentlemen in here uh, Dr. Stu McNeil now, he became a neurosurgeon and once upon a time he sat beside Gordy Howe in the wings dressing room, but he wrote me a nice handwritten letter saying thank you. And it meant a lot to me. So that wow. was, that was really cool. And there's, there's guys in here whose, whose careers are incredible. The fact, the fact that they only scored one goal and, and, and that's what I wanted to get at was like you and I, we can dream of it, but these guys actually did it. Yeah. So what's it like to live that dream? So they kind of let me in there, have a peek at it, which was, which was nice. Now, what was the time frame for this book? So like, was there, they had to be retired in order to end up on your research? Yeah. Cause the list changes, right? Cause if a guy scores sure. his first NHL goal on a Tuesday and you get the list on a Wednesday and he scores <laughs> on a Thursday, he's out. So there's a couple guys I, I talked to in here and like, I mean, they could potentially might have to rip the pages out one day. Right. Oh, wow. So there's guys playing overseas that, you know, it's it doesn't happen all the time, but it's not unheard of to come back. So, uh, yeah, uh, they have to be uh, out of the NHL, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. Okay. Fair enough. That's pretty yeah. cool. Now, another one of your passions outside of finding all of these incredible stories and sharing them with everyone is trading cards. Yeah. And I recently saw you... And I can't remember the name of the show, but you guys were talking about trading cards. Um, and right now we're sort of in another or the renaissance of trading cards. And it's or not just specific boom, to sports. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's not specific to just sports. I mean, Pokemon cards are out there, NBA, baseball, all of this, you name it, it's out there. Yeah. What what was it about trading cards that other than other than the stories because I know right. that's that's part of it, but what was it that trading cards meant to you growing up and then now as an adult? So I was a child of the 80s and in the 80s everybody bought hockey cards. It's right. just what you did. Um, I grew up in an area, uh, 12, 14 hour drive from the nearest NHL team. Uh, there was one game on a week. So the way you stayed in touch with who was in the NHL was from that one game a week on Saturday night, uh, from maybe the hockey news or hockey digest and from hockey cards. So I didn't know what Mike Gartner looked like in 1982 (laughs) until I got a Mike Gartner card. Right. And then I could read, Holy smokes, Mike Gartner scored 48 goals and he was a rookie. He's born in Ottawa, uh, the capital second leading scorer in 80-81. So I found out all this information about guys from their hockey cards because there wasn't an internet. Right. Um, I didn't know what they looked like until I got the card. Like the Washington Capitals didn't play on Hockey Night in Canada, maybe once a year, right? So the cards were a connection to the game. Uh, then when, by the time this boom card boom came circa 1990, I had already had it bunch of them so i started dealing cards i'm 15 16 years old my wow. buddies are working at mcdonald's and sobeys and i'm selling hockey cards and i'm making more money than they are um and i enjoyed it like most people in the card world i took a break so when i went away to university i stopped um my card stayed at my dad's like a lot of people my age around 10 years ago um i i, I just started collecting again i wrote my book first book that did well and now this boom is on again and it's absolutely insane what stuff's going for now there's stuff i thought wouldn't go for 10 cents ever again that's selling for 20 bucks now it's just it's wild it's great to see i love it and the thing about there was a story in the toronto star the other day about this gretzky card that's going to sell for over a million bucks and i've been talking about it for a while now and i keep telling people ear gretzky is not a psa 10 like it's just it isn't. There's two of them in the world. So I've been getting a ton of emails going, oh, I got this card. I got this card. I'm like, I know. But like the smallest imperfection, like this card here, this Gartner's from 1981. You look at it and you're thinking it's perfect, but it's miscut, which means the centering's off. It's right fluffy bit, a little corner. So it's great that everyone's into it now. It's fun. But at the same time, it's kind of like uh, when you like the tragically hip, when they wrote up to here and then by the time you know, trouble at the hen house came out. Everybody knew about them. It's like the world finding out about your favorite band. You're really good, but you kind of wish they didn't. But I think it's great. As long it's a it's a great way for people to love the game. I, I think the Tim Hortons cards are amazing because kids can get access to them for a buck, which is absolutely so important. When I was a kid, they were a quarter, then thirty five cents. But I I love it. I I've always enjoyed it. Um, my house has cards everywhere. It drives my wife nuts. I mean, if you're in the market for uh, a Keith Acton rookie, I've got 20, 25 of them right here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I love it. It's just an extension of the game. And now I guess what it means to me is it's a, when I was a kid, it was a connection to the game. Now right. as an adult, it's a connection to childhood and the game. So it's, it's doubly nice right now. It's funny because I used to always collect like the upper deck. Like I've, I've got cards at my mom's house. I stumbled across them. I didn't have the time to thoroughly go through them. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, I'm going to have some fun cards in there. Sure. 
definitely not well taken care of, though, which is the unfortunate part. Yeah. But I remember as a kid going to like McDonald's and sure. McDonald's would always have like the upper deck packs yep. around all-star time yes. or the Olympics. Exactly. And, and so I used to love the, the fun stories and just the fact that like there are your favorite hockey players in a single pack and you could get three packs and none of them have the same cards. Yep. And yep. so now you could have doubles, triples, and you're, you're trading with your friends and this boom has sort of happened. You know, Gary Vee has really talked about. Yeah, it he's big on it. Yeah, he's been on. It. He's been on it for a couple of years now, going on it. Yeah. And that's been uh, that's been a big, big part of it as well. I've spoken to Adam Lefko from Bleacher Report, who is now getting into cards over the last, you know, six to eight months, and he said, "Listen, forget about betting sports. Don't put money on sports. Invest that money in sports cards. That's funny because you can turn that around." And like he's he's gonna buy himself a house. He's gonna pay for his wedding. Big plans. from from listen. And and he's and he's sort of dived into it. And there's a whole com- card community now, and it's funny well, because that's, there always has been, right? It just now right. now it's getting out there, and so now you got all these new people joining it. And what's when in the '90s when this boom happened, all these people came in who were looking for easy money. And when people are looking for easy money, there's people that are gonna do unsavory things. So just a warning to everybody, when I said about social media, consider the source. Um, be aware of what you're buying buying from. It's buyer beware in the card world. And, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, everybody, uh, Greg Jeffries from the New York Mets, the plan was you buy enough of those and you can retire. Well, that didn't pan out. So there's no guarantee. Right. There's absolutely no guarantees. It's, I mean, the Lafreniere rookie's already going for 300 bucks. He hasn't played a game yet. It's wild. Jeez. It's wild, man. It's wild. Now, do you have a favorite card in your collection? Yeah, my original Gretzky rookie, seventy nine eighty. Um, it's a card that uh, I always wanted as a kid, could never get. My mom came home with a box of cards one day. She got for ten bucks. It was this shoebox full of cards, and my brother and I started looking through them, and there it was. And we dropped the gloves. We fought because we both wanted it, right? And mom started screaming, "Share it, share it!" So we shared the card, and we still have custody of it. I've had a few other Gretzky rookies over the years, but that's uh, that one's always uh, it's always stayed with me. It's always been a huge part of my collection. So because it, it, it reminds me of my favorite player, my mom and my brother. So it's triple threat. Now, I'm a co-host of another podcast called Real Sports, okay. and we've taken the responsibility of power ranking every sports movie. Oh, cool. Do, do you have a top five? Sports well, movies. I've got number one easily. It's Slapshot. There's no doubt about Ooh, that. So funny, funny you say that. So yeah. we are on season three. Slapshot uh, is in there, and right now it has overtaken a League of Their Own, which was has overtaken. From, Who in the name of all that's holy would put a League of Their Own ahead of Slapshot? Well, here's the thing. So we do six movies a season, yeah, and Slapshot went into season three we didn't want to do all of the best movies right because then slap you know, would and, win every year it wouldn't be fun exactly right so we're you know it was you know episode 14 slap shots in there it's number one league of the Better number be. two but in your mind you know what what are the top five sports movies off the top of my head uh slap shot uh i love miracle i love young okay. i love young blood because i came out in the, when i was 12 years old and you know yet and the and the rink they recorded it at's right up the road, so if you can tell I'm a hockey guy, uh, I yeah. gotta I gotta throw Major League in there, for of course. Sure. And I need a baseball movie, or I got just had a baseball movie. Ah, uh, man, you can't go wrong with Field of Dreams. 
So there's my five. All right. And everyone's yelling at me, what about Bull Durham? Bull Durham's in there. And, and then I would go Rudy. So those would be my honorable mentions would be Bull Durham and Rudy. That's wow. just off the top of my head. That's with no no ranking system at all. There you go. And there's But there's so many great sports movies. But to me, Slapshot is the quintessential sports movie because it meant so much to so many hockey players over the years. Uh, it And honest to God, it's probably more documentary than it is film. I mean, that was based on the Johnstown Jets from the North American Hockey League, which was the minor league of the World Hockey Association. And the, most of the guys in the movie are right from that league. So it was it was legit, man. It was totally legit. Based on your quick knowledge and off-of-the-dome information, I'm going to have to pitch it to the guys to be like, listen, I think Ken Reed might be a great special guest for for an episode or two. We'll I let you agree. choose the movie. I'd also bring in Jeff Merrick. Jeff Merrick is also a slapshot aficionado. Oh, there we go. Yeah. See, perfect. Yeah. There we go. We're se- we're setting up for future episodes. Oh yeah. I, like I mean, I could I could sit and quote you slap shot lines all night, but probably get me fired. But I I absolutely <laughs> I absolutely adore that movie. And uh, yeah, you don't have to go far down here in the old man cave to get a. Let's see. There's a slap shot puck over there, and the Hanson brothers autograph picture over there. So you don't have to go too far to see some stuff. And and Dave Hanson from Slap Shots in my new book. So it worked out really well. There we go. Yeah. Perfect segue. Oh, there's the Hanson Brothers now, right there. Here, I get. Wait, I got another picture. I'll show you. Hold on. I love this, this is from this is from Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer. There you go. The Hanson Brothers. Oh wow. Yeah, and uh, Jeff's having a tough time battling cancer right now. So, Jeff Carlson, there's a there's a GoFundMe page for Jeff Carlson. If anyone likes to give Jeff the hand, he's the guy in the in the black jacket. There, he's one of the Hanson Brothers. Perfect. So actually, what we'll do is we'll throw that link up. Thank you for the youtube and we'll make sure that we get uh we we get the information out there now you and ivanka have a well-documented history with tim and sid (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. whether it's halloween costumes or guest appearances on the show yeah you know i recently asked tim mccallif on on one of his instagram lives you know who would win in a 40 meter sprint between you and sid sixero he quickly answered yeah well quick yeah to no one's surprised he said you know, obviously it's Ken Reed. Yeah. But if you had to choose a sporting event to challenge sit in, that could actually be an even matchup. One, does it even exist? And two, what would it be? Well, break dancing's been approved for the Olympics. Sid's a pretty good dancer. Uh, p- poker is technically a sport. He could do that. Uh, lawn bowling's a sport. He's probably a pretty good bowler, <laughs> I'd say. But I love, I absolutely love those guys. They have brought such an awesome vibe to our shop since they joined and i mean they are I, we talked about being authentic they're as authentic as you can get so yeah but yeah as far as sports goes i could sid could probably uh, poker's a sport i think um what are the darts some you know some something where you don't have to like really exert yourself i think would be up sid's alley uh food right hot dog eating right joey chestnut is he an athlete Wow, uh, I like that. Some sort of Mary Brown's chicken competition. Sid could win in that. Um, honest to God, Sid Sixero is... Sid has this ability, and I love it. He makes you happy when he walks into a room. Like he, He's one of those people that instantly makes you smile. Colby Armstrong has it. Sid Sixero has it. And I absolutely love it. I, and I, I just... I, and I also think that self-deprecation is the highest form of humor and Sid so gets that. So yeah, I got all the time th- in the world for those boys. I think post COVID 
We're going to support Mary Brown's chicken. Oh, We're yeah. going to have a chicken eating contest between Ken Reed yeah. and Sid Sixera. Oh, yeah. Sid, I, I bow to Sid there. He could out-eat me for sure, I think. Um, but, yeah, I I want to take Sid down east. Um, in fact, this hat I'm wearing, I'm just, he keeps on saying he wants to go here. So I want to take him there. I want to take him to the Picto Lobster Carnival to meet my buddy Teapot. Have some lobsters. So Sid would be huge down home. I took Ivanka one year. She quite enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, it had, uh, going out with Sid's a blast, man. He's, he's a fun guy. And Tim, sure and Tim, is. and Tim is a bona fide <laughs> athlete. Like he's legit. His dad, Tom, won an Allen Cup. Um, I think played at St. Mike's. He won an Allen Cup with Windsor. And yeah, Tim's, Tim's legit. So when it comes to athleticism, I think Timmy's got his both feet. I want to get you out of here on, on, on this sort of final, final note. You know, if you had to recap 2020 in sports this year, yeah, in, you know, a sentence or two, what would, what would be the best way to describe what we just experienced? Uh, I guess the word is unprecedented that everybody keeps using it. And I would, I would just, what do you want a sentence? You want a word? What do you want here? Um, Whatever you can give us. I'd say you roll with the, we rolled with the punches. And yeah, most of the time it was a punch to the back of the head, right? It was a sucker punch. It was a rabbit punch. So I think uh, overall we did a very good job. I still can't believe that the NBA and, made, and the NHL pulled off the bubble so well. I'm yeah. truly disheartened by what's going on with the NHL again. It's like nobody does labor disputes quite like the NHL. Get it together, guys. Come on. For the love yeah. of all that's holy, there's a lot of people out here who uh who are going through tough times get your ducks in a row and get this deal done play some friggin' hockey you know i'm i i don't want to talk about cba stuff anymore i seriously don't uh but yeah i'd say just unprecedented and we we rolled with the punches and we did a pretty decent job of it but we also realized that how much we miss sports but sports is the yeah. reward for a properly functioning society and this pandemic has kind of put a halt in the old properly functioning uh department so you know just kind of roll with it but i miss people man i'm i'm going out and meeting the hansen brothers and getting them to hold me up by the collar like i'm i'm enjoying this conversation but i'm so sick of talking into computers i'm kind of virtual out you know i'm sure and, and you know hopefully but thank god for these damn things otherwise we'd have absolutely nobody to talk to well exactly i mean again rolled with the punches yeah. you know whether tim and sid are doing it from their basements or their living rooms oh huge salute to those guys yeah they did they did a show without sports for six months i don't know how they did it i don't know how they did it <laughs> you know it's uh it'll be interesting hopefully 2020 sorry 2021 you know bears some better fruit and oh. we can you know have nhl start and have the nba reduce their positive tests because you know they're already starting to have positive tests now that we're looking to have sports and markets again yeah um hopefully baseball does a little bit better job of of, of trying to figure things out baseball just and, roll. they're just baseball in the nfl they just don't care they just steamroll everything right they just whatever whatever it takes but uh yeah if there's a vaccine i'm gonna show up and like shotgun 15 glasses of it i can't wait like i just <laughs> want to get my life back in order here get back to normal okay quick thing power rank the major sports commissioners for their 2020 performance hmm. uh what uh, just based on 2020 Perform yeah just based on 2020 okay uh mr silver would be number one uh 
I can't put uh, I can't put Goodell there. I put Batman at two because they pulled off the pandemic. I'm disappointed at the labor stuff, but these are unprecedented times, so I semi understand. Uh, and then I put uh, Goodell, and then I put Manfred, and I just put Manfred where he is because I don't know baseballs. Like just, it was just, I'm glad they got it done, but it was kind of, it was kind of trippy there for a while, but uh, three and four there are just kind of there because they have to be there. One and two are pretty obvious to me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, listen, Ken, I appreciate you taking the time to join me for the podcast. If people, if people want to follow you on social media, read some of your amazing articles or even buy your books, where can they go to find all this fun stuff? Sure. Uh, My Instagram is, Jeez, I think it's Ken Reed Sportsnet, K-E-N-R-E-I-D Sportsnet. Uh, Twitter is S-N-K-E-N-R-E-I-D, S-N Ken Reed. And uh, I'm on Sportsnet Central. Well, used to be every night, weeknights. <laughs> That's kind of different now. And, uh, yeah, pick up the book. It's called One to Remember. You can get it right now on Amazon. But if you can, please support your local bookstore because our brick-and-mortar businesses, they could use a hand. So go down to your local bookstore, knock on the window, and say, do you have one to remember by Ken Reed? I hear it's awesome. And they'll say, well, we have it. I don't know if it's awesome, but we have it. <laughs> Good enough. Listen, please make sure to download the podcast available every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. Once again, it was a pleasure talking with you today, Ken. For my guest, Ken Reed, I'm your host, Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening everyone. Have a great night.